apartments out of state I don't know why he made hometowns If it's somewhere I can't stay I don't know why he made growing up But I guess that we're all gonna Yeah, I don't know a lot of things But I know why God made mamas For the open arms to fall into For the when you don't know what to do For the phone call saying don't forget I'm always in your corner For the heart that makes a house a home For the knowing that you're not alone For the darling don't you dare give up Even when you wanna Yeah, that's why God made mamas For putting band-aids on a scraped up knee And wiping tears away Picking up the pieces when that dream don't go your way For always giving more than taking For always knowing what you need And showing you that fighting's always best done on your knees For the open arms to fall into For the when you don't know what to do For the phone call saying don't forget I'm always in your corner for the heart that makes a house a home For the knowing that you're not alone For the darling don't you dare give up Even when you wanna Yeah, that's why God made mamas Oh, oh, oh Mamas, mamas I don't know why God made living life down here so hard to do But I know why God made mamas Cause he knew I needed you For the open arms to fall into For the when you don't know what to do For the phone call saying don't forget I'm always in your corner for the heart that makes a house a home For the knowing that you're not alone For the darling don't you dare give up Even when you wanna Yeah, that's why God made mamas Oh, oh, oh Mamas, Those of you who thought to bring Kleenexes can pass them around, <laughs> especially to Amanda. <laughs> if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the 100th Psalm, Psalm 100 today, as we look at God's Word in our series on activating agreements every day. You and I hear uh, thoughts in our own minds, and some of those thoughts are true. They come from God. We need to agree with those and say, yes, Lord, uh, to those thoughts. And uh, some of those thoughts are from the enemy, and uh, they are lies. And we need to learn how to renounce the lies of the enemy every day. You and I have the choice of are we going to agree with God or are we going to agree with the enemy? And it's easy, easy, easy to fall into that and not realize uh, what you're doing. So today, look at what the 100th Psalm and uh, we're going to talk about some agreements 
that we might need to uh, either agree with or break today. Look at Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Well, hopefully you got your uh, Mother's Day gift picked out. If not, I got a couple of suggestions for you. I know a little bit late, but you can always blame it on COVID and say it's in the mail. It's on the way and uh, it'll get there before too long. Um, here's a book that some of you may want to get for your mom. Uh, the book says, there are moms way worse than you. <laughs> You know, you notice the mom kind of kicked that one right off the stage there. For those of you on Facebook Live, we're looking at pictures. I'll read them for you. I'm sorry you can't see them. Uh, you could get her a candle. It says, Mom, life is hard, but at least your children aren't ugly. <laughs> and all mom's children said, <laughs> Amen. Amen. There you go. There's another candle. Mom's last nerve. Oh, look, it's on fire. <laughs> Always that one. Here's a, here's a good one. It's a gift pack. It says, you're not a regular mom, you're a cool mom. Everybody say, oh, yeah, that's the only all one we got. Uh, for those, especially those of you who have small children, here's a t-shirt that says, y'all heard of Bath and Body Works, this is Back and Body Hurts. <laughs> yes, all right, here's a coffee mug. Dear mom, thanks for putting up with a spoiled, ungrateful, messy, bratty child like my sibling. Love your favorite. <laughs> Here's a nice bouquet. Am I on this bouquet? <laughs> it's a bouquet of donuts. Flavored donut, uh, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry covered donuts with sprinkles. How about a keychain? Super mom, super wife, super tired. <laughs> so, last one. This one's kind of like a Bible verse. Thou shalt not try me on a mug. Mom 24-7. Do notice that it's 24 Seven, and thou shalt not try me. Those are some interesting gifts. One of the uh, very interesting and helpful gifts that God's given us is truth. And that's what we've been looking at through this series is that uh, God has given us a truth and a truth when we know it, but not only know it, the word know there doesn't just mean that you know the truth in your head, but that you agree with it in your heart. And you live according, think according, speak according to that truth. God makes you free. And one of the great truths that God's offered us is life with himself. And that's an offer that he's made to each one of us today. We have to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, am I truly living life with God, consciously with God today, or am I doing life on my own today. He offers that to us today. We've seen uh, agreements that we've made and agreements that we, some we need to renounce because they're not biblical, some we need to stay on to. Agreements about God, that God is a good father, that God's ways are better than our ways, that God's ways are truth. We've seen agreements about ourself, that we are not competent in anything of ourselves, but our competency comes from God. Apart from Him, we can do nothing, but as we remain in Him, abide in Him, remain attached to Him, we bear much fruit. And last week, we saw just some agreements about life. Is life boring? Is life miserable? Is life just a chore to get through? Or is life an adventure with Jesus? Is it an opportunity to make progress in being like Christ and to share the gospel of Christ. Today I want us to talk about agreements that we make about each other 
Who or what are other people? Or how do we view other people? How do we relate to other people? What kind of value do we put on other people? Because it's easy to see other people as annoyances, right? It's easy to see other people as irritations because they act irritating sometimes, right? Somebody say that's me occasionally. <laughs> yeah, more often than I want to want. Sometimes we see people as aggravation. Sometimes we see people as interruptions. I remember one of the small group studies uh, that we did one time, one of the hard questions that asked there was, are you willing to ask the Lord or give the Lord permission to interrupt your schedule whenever he wants to? A lot of times the opportunity to serve somebody, to love somebody, minister to somebody comes as an interruption in our schedule, doesn't it? Do you see people as just people to be tolerated, people to put up with, or people to be used to make me feel better? Is that what we see? Or do we see people as created in the image of God? Because if someone's created in the image of God, it gives them great value, doesn't it? Do we see people as eternal beings spending eternity in heaven or hell? Do we see people as an opportunity to love them, to serve them, to honor them. The Bible says we're to honor each other, to honor them, even the irritating ones, right? Even the annoying ones, right? Do we see people as someone to offer love to and to offer God's love to? Now, if this was easy, we'd all do it, right? But it's not that easy because sometimes people can kind of get on that last nerve and your last nerve may be on fire, <laughs> as we saw from the candles a minute ago. So these are two different kinds of agreements. How do you relate to, how do you value other people? And it's going to have a huge impact on your families. It's going to have a huge impact on your friendships. It's going to have a huge impact on your career. If you look at people's careers, a lot of times, uh, most of the surveys I've seen, the, the, the competency for career accounts for part of that, but a bigger part of your success in your career is your ability to get along with other people, your ability to mesh with a team. So look at Psalm 100. Here's what I want you to see today. Psalm 100 verse 3 is our key verse this morning. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who has made us. Everybody say, He made us. He that's made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. Everybody say his people. His people. We're the sheep of his pasture. So here's what I want you to really get today. The big truth today is this. God made us for himself and he made us to love, honor, serve, pray for, and encourage each other. Each other are creations of almighty God. And we're to treat each other that way. So I want you to see this morning. Uh, three words to help us to agree with God about how we treat each other, speak about each other, relate to each other, value each other. Three agreements to help us agree with God and renounce, renounce the agreements that we've made with the enemy. They're just irritations. They're just annoyances. They're just interruptions. They, I just got to put up with them. Just got to tolerate them. That is way, way different than valuing people like God values people. First of all, I want you to see our Father. First of all, I want you to see Father, the fact that God made us he made us to be his children, which means he is our father. And God has a parent heart. God is the best parent ever. Look at Psalm 103 again. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people. He made us to be his children. If we're his children, he is our father. Let me tell you something that 
that really has encouraged me the last couple of months. I've been thinking about the Trinity a little more the last couple of months than usual. And, and not to try to define it, because it really is hard to define, right? But here's the thing I want to encourage you with about the Trinity today. The Trinity means that God has eternally been a father. He's eternally been a father. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all equally God, all 100% God, none less God than each other. But that means God is always related to Jesus as a father. Uh, you and I haven't had that opportunity, right? We, we became parents, those of us who are parents, we had on-the-job training, didn't we? <laughs> and, and I said to, to my children before, it's like, especially when they got to be teenagers, like, I've never parented a teenager before. I, I don't know the answers, and it's been amazing to me. I thought as a parent, I would know what to do more. I thought it would be hard, but I didn't know how many situations I'd be in as a parent that I didn't know what the right thing to do is. And I want to encourage you today, you moms and dads, co-parent with God. God's the best parent. Look to him because God, as the best parent, as the eternal parent, he can teach you, right? He can help you. He can encourage you. He can refresh you. He can forgive you as a parent, okay? As a parent, he's, he's the best one. So look to him. And here's where I want you to see the agreements come in. Because the people around us that we love and we work with and we shop around and we go to church with, the people that annoy us, the people that are rude to us, these are the people that God wants to be his people. Every one of them, even the one that gets on your last nerve, even the one that ignores you, even the one that says things that aren't true about you, he created that person, right? That per Everybody say that person. <laughs> created that person to have him as their father. He created that person in his image. So they have great value to God. I mean, can you, nobody except maybe your spouse has greater value to you than your children. And each person God created to be his child. And so when we see his people as an annoyance, we see them as an interruption. We see them as an irritation. We see them as an aggravation somebody put up with. I mean, think about it from this perspective. How would you like it if someone said that about your child? Man, your child is so aggravating. <laughs> your child is such an irritation. I just have to put up with them. I mean, it may be true sometimes. <laughs> Maybe true sometimes, but you don't want to hear that. that that's not primarily what your children is right, what your children are. And so we don't want to treat people in those ways. We want to renounce the lie that people are just somebody to get on our nerves and embrace the agreement that God put us here to help each other get to know him as best we possibly can. Isn't that a different way? And you see now, while God is their creator, while God's everybody's creator, we only become his children, and he only becomes our father through a second birth. And so some of the people you meet have not yet given their life to Christ, have not yet been born again, have not yet uh, made a, a, a faith commitment to Christ, turned from their sins, repented of their sins, and trusted in Christ. And so because of that, God wants them to. He's drawing them. If you're here today and you're not a believer, you're not a Christian yet, not ever given your heart and life to Jesus, the things that are happening in your life, some of those things are God, probably all of them, are God trying to bring you to himself. 
And believers, God has put us in, the, in each other's life to help us, to work through us to draw people to Him. You see, that person, that person is not primarily a dopehead. That person is not primarily a jailbird. That person is not primarily a drunk. That person is not primarily a loser. You ever hear people talk about people in those kind of terms? Before they're any of that, they are created in the image of God, a potential child of the heavenly Father. Now, if I talk about somebody and think about somebody as a dopehead and not as someone created in the image of God, as a loser, as, a, as an irritation, and not somebody created in the image of God, I'm agreeing with the enemy and I'm going to treat them differently than I treat them if I see them this way, primarily created to be God's child. You see, watch this. Before your spouse is your husband or your wife, they're God's child. That should affect how you treat them. Before your parent, especially if you're, if you're Christians, before your parent is your parent, they're God's child. And you treat them that way. Before your friend is your friend, they're God's child. Before anybody is anything to you, your employee, your boss, whatever, they're God's child first. That should change how we treat each other. I heard about a pastor who, the pastor's a large church now, but he said in the early days of the church, they were just starting out. And he said they had nothing, nothing. He ran a borrowed place. They didn't even have a phone. They like borrowed chairs. And he said one day he were getting ready to take up the offering. Of course, you know, you're in a church start. You need money. <laughs> and so he's encouraging people to give. And he noticed there was a guy that came in. And it was cold. And uh, it's up north, and it was cold and snow on the ground, and this guy looked cold, um, poorly dressed, looked homeless. And he said, I said something I never thought I'd say. He said, we're going to take the offering now, and I would encourage you folks who are part of our church to bring your tithes and offerings and place them in an offering plate. But if you're hungry and you're cold and you need money, take some out. He said, I never thought I'd say that. He said, but I've said that regularly. He said, I... I want to be the kind of church that God blesses, and God blesses a church that cares about people. I want to show you just a 60-second video about a teacher in another, in another city. I, want you, I just want you to see how this teacher, if you're watching on Facebook Live, I apologize, you won't be able to see this 60 seconds, and we'll be right back. But I want you to see how this teacher values each one of his students. Give it, give it a look-see. So I love you. 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 I know you got a question. Ask the lady if you want to. I love you. <laughs> I love you. I love you. You love what? I love you. 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 How about that? Would you like to have a teacher like that for all you kids? I thought about standing at the door of the church doing that some more, but I didn't want to be creepy, you know. That's so 
But that's the way God feels toward each one of us, right? I pray that's how you feel when you walk in the doors of this building, that God the Father truly loves you. Second word, first of all, the word is Father. Secondly, is the word family. If God has made us his children, then those of us who've been born again, I mean, we are brothers and sisters, right? We're kin folks. You know, we really are. We're, we're kin to each other. And I know some churches, you know, they, uh, they, some churches, they make a, a pretty big deal about calling their pastor brother so-and-so. And some of you call me Brother Barry. Some of you call me silly or whatever. <laughs> some of you call me. It doesn't matter to me what you call me. Not, that's, that's not a big deal. But some, some churches do. Some churches I've been to, they call everybody brother and sister. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, and, and I think it's kind of cool. You know, I'm not saying we need to do that or anything, but, but here's the thing. Whatever you call each other, you need to treat each other like brother and sister. It doesn't matter what you say. You know, the saying brother and sister doesn't mean anything really, I mean, unless it helps you to remember. But we need to treat each other like brothers and sisters in Christ. And the one thing that I know pleases parents more than just about anything is see the siblings, see the children getting along with each other. Look at Psalm 100 verse 3 again. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are who? His people. Everybody say his people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, 1 John chapter 4, what does it say? And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to do what? Love one another. How's that for an agreement? You're my brother, you're my sister, and I'm going to ask God to help me love you like he loves you. So that's your weekly growth suggestion this week. I agree to treat people like God wants me to treat people. I agree to treat people like God wants me to treat people. And that's more than minding my own business. That's more than staying in my lane. That's more than just not hurting anybody. Because you see, one of the things that you and I love about Jesus is that when we go astray, he comes after us. Don't you love that about Jesus? That when you go astray, he comes after us. He, he seeks to meet our needs. He doesn't just leave us alone in case if we have a trouble, then he'll come check on us. No, no, brothers and sisters, we are to seek out ways to love, pray for, honor, encourage, and help each other. Some of y'all know one of my um, people I like to read about is Katie Davis Major. She's a missionary to, the, to Uganda, uh, gave up her, you know, she was homecoming queen, gave her boyfriend car and everything, moved to Uganda adopted like 6 million kids. Actually, adopted really about 13, 14, 15 kids before she got married. She's married now. They had some health issues in their family. They had to move back to Tennessee. It was a hard, hard, hard time for them. And they, when they got back to Tennessee, uh, as I said, very difficult. I mean, you can imagine having all these kids. It's adopted. Some of them you've birthed. And, and they, all, you, all you've known for 20 years is Uganda. And all they've ever known is Uganda. Now you move back to Tennessee. And so they started looking for a church home. And she said that after they visited about a million felt like they finally settled on one see we finally felt like so I'm not sure if we felt like God called us or we just got tired of visiting but she said the church here's what I love she said the church we decided to join she said the first Sunday we were there uh, at the end of the service uh, the pastor scurried to the back to shake our hands because he recognized we were new and she said that's the kind of the first time that had happened in any of our deal so that that was worth a trip back said the second thing was on their second trip back to the church, the, uh, the, it wasn't as large or flashy as some of the churches they visited, and said the video screens uh, glitched during the announcements. And so uh, the screens didn't work, so some of the guys in the sound booth stood, stood up and just yelled the announcements out. And she said, this kind of feels like our vibe here, man. <laughs> this kind of feels like us. And here's, what I, here's, here's the point I'm making for the story, though. She said, 
once we decided this was our place, we were all in. We were all in. And she said, and they were all in with us. She, and I love this quote. She said, we chose to make them our people. And they chose to make us their people. And she said, it wasn't just a... I mean, she said they came by and dropped off meals, you know. We got, you know, we got 100 kids, and, and they dropped off meals. They helped get kids to school. They came to our kids' ball games. They even helped our daughter get ready for prom. If you have a daughter and you need a church member to help her get ready for prom, Randy Barefoot is the expert here. <laughs> she said, and not only that, but she said, also, we started serving in a soup kitchen from the very first. We didn't just want to join a church. We want to join a ministry. I love what 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Do you hear the agreements? We're all in. Not only with God, we're all in with God's people. These people are our people. We're going to serve each other. Last of all, I want you to see something about the future. We're a father, we're, we have a father, which makes us a family, which means we have a future together. Every person that you see has an eternal future in heaven or hell, and that should affect how we treat each other. Psalm 103, again, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God is a forever God, and he wants a forever people and the agreement we need to make about that is this the eternal future of other people is way more important than a temporary inconvenience a temporary inconvenience of me serving them a temporary inconvenience of me sharing christ with them a temporary inconvenience of inviting them to youth group and temporary inconvenience of me spending time talking to them when I see them at Walmart, a temporary inconvenience of calling them up and checking on them. Listen, a temporary inconvenience is nothing compared to somebody's eternal future. I remember Rick Warren said that God had given him the gift of evangelism, which means he hangs out with a lot of people that he doesn't agree with. And one of the things that Rick said, he said, I pray every day, Lord, help me treat people the way Jesus would. Help me to treat people the way Jesus would treat the people in my life. And he said, you know, people disagree with me about all kinds of things, but my, most, my heart is to introduce them to Christ. And he said, I can't get my point across by being cross. You don't win. And I love this. He said, I can't win my enemies to Christ. I win my friends. You got to see people as your friends, see people as somebody you care about before you can win them to Jesus. Let me close with a story, a story of a lady named Jill. I read this story a couple of weeks ago. She wrote it. Uh, Jill said when she was 26, uh, she was a young teacher, and she said for some reason God gave her a heart to be a pen pal with somebody in prison. And um, so she just said, saw this pen pal, prison pen pal thing, so she just signed up for it. And she got assigned to a guy uh, named Wally or Walter. And she began to, uh, to write this guy. And what started with this 26-year-old guy, she's in her 20s as well, they began to, 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 to correspond. She found out that Wally had been in trouble most of his life. He had been on drugs, committed burglary, uh, in and out of, the, of, of prisons. And he, she, he sent her a Polaroid. Everybody remember those Polaroids? He sent her a Polaroid of himself, a tall, 
guy, long blonde hair, kind of a wizardly beard-like kind of a guy. And this is what he said. He knows this lady's a church lady, right? And so he writes her a letter, and he says, I promise to get a haircut. You're going to try to measure up, right? And she said, your hair looks great. He took up oil painting while he was in prison, sent her oil paintings a couple of times, and she said those just hang all over, uh, all over her, her house. That one short application when she was 26 years old led to a 35-year friendship. 35 years. Uh, she said when she began to address her letter to the address, she had no idea she was addressing her letters to Sing Sing Prison, one of the most notorious prisons in the United States. Wally rarely told her what went on there, but he served two decades of that horror. In addition to pen pal, they also had some short phone calls. She said, Wally and I talked about forgiveness, the weather, salvation, animals, the all-encompassing love of God, and fishing in his beloved Connecticut River. All of our deeper conversations about theology and faith had practical meaning for Wally. His family had committed neglect and sexual abuse, which he struggled to forgive and heal from. He gave his life, Wally gave his life to Christ in prison, but it didn't fix everything. Still struggled, still had a very, very uh, difficult time. And he, she said, we grew up together from our 20s into our 60s. And somehow they hung on to that friendship. They managed to stay with it through all this time. And she said that Wally would always say, you're in my love and prayers. In the last years, and the letters became less frequently, um, because she said it's hard to write letters from under a bridge. And so it's been relied more on texts and things like that. And then he began talking about the doctor visits, uh, going to the specialist. Uh, Jill's husband's a doctor. He began talking to him more. And she knew things weren't going well, but Wally, typical Wally, she said he, he, he didn't want to bother her, didn't want to worry her. And, and so he, she got a call from a nurse one night, and she said, um, Wally has listed you as his next of kin. He said, you're his sister, and he's dying. And we wondered if you would come. And she said, well, technically I'm not his sister. She said, if Wally says you're sister, that's good enough for us. And so she uh, booked a plane as soon as she could. And uh, while she was flying out, uh, Wally passed from this life into the next. She didn't quite get there in time. And she got to the hospital, went in, was able to see Wally's body. She only met him a couple of times in her lifetime. And she said it was always hard to know, do I push advice on Wally or do I respect his free will? Do I try to help or do I, do I respect his decisions? And she said when she would tell Wally, I'm so sorry you're so sick. He said, it's what happens when you live bad and get to be old. She said, I've lived a bad life and I'm getting old. And this is what happens. This is what happened to me. The nurse gave her a letter. She said, somebody called and asked if you, I gave her a post-it note. said, this lady wants you to call. And so she called. It was a lady that ran a soup kitchen. She said, Wally wants you to speak at his funeral. We're going to have a funeral for him in the soup kitchen here. And he wants you to speak at his funeral. So she went, and when she got there a little bit early, and she knocked on the door, and the, and the lady looked out the door. It was locked. They hadn't opened up the, the, the door for people to come in yet. And so the lady opened the door. She said, are you Jill? And she said, yes. She said, get in here before you get mobbed. She's like, am I going to get mobbed at a soup kitchen? She said, um, you're a hero around here. Said, Wally has uh, talked about you. Uh, he said, he talked about you all the time. You've become kind of a, a legend around this place. And so she sat with this 25 or 30 people or so in this soup kitchen. And one of them said to, to Jill, he was my best friend. He made me want to keep living. 
He talked about you all the time. You're a celebrity here. Walter Wally said that you're the one who taught him how to care about people. And all those people in that soup kitchen loved Wally because Wally loved them. And he said Jill was the person that taught him how. Let me close with this. Wally lived a life that most people would call pointless. He was homeless, destitute, a, cri a criminal, a non-contributor to society. Yet when I stood in that soup kitchen, I was surrounded by people whose lives he had touched in a profound way. They wept openly as they talked about him. Wally had loved and been loved by other humans who needed it. In that, he had lived a life that was far from pointless. Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed? Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed and we're looking around this morning? What kind of agreements do you make about other people? It's so easy to see them as an interruption, annoyance, irritating, put up with, ignore. Just ignore them. They're not worth my time. Man, if they was worth Jesus dying for, they're at least worth our time. So this morning, as Lisa comes to the piano, she's going to pray softly. Would you pray? If you don't have, and I hadn't thought about this to this very moment, if you don't have at least one person that you're praying for regularly to be saved, man, ask God to give you one. Everybody needs at least one person you're praying for regularly to be saved and as a believer it's so easy to see our lives as about ourselves how I could be happier how I can have more how I can be more fulfilled and boy Satan lies to us by saying the way to have that happen is by being selfish and Jesus says it's better to give than to receive it's better to serve than to be served so maybe we need to make an agreement with God that our lives are open to him. He can use them anytime, anywhere he wants to to show somebody else that he genuinely cares. And there's an eternity ahead that is crucial, crucial to make the right decision about. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray during these moments that we would talk to you. I pray, Father, that you would help us to see how to respond. You know what we need to do to obey you this morning. Help us to respond with a yes to what you're saying to us today. I pray, Father, for those who don't know Christ, that they would come to know Christ today. I pray, Father, for those of us who are believers, God, that we would say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. As Lisa begins to play softly.